Hi, thanks for joining us to listen to another message from Rumley Chapel in Cardiff, UK. If you'd like to know more about the chapel, then visit us online at rumleychapel.org or look us up on social media. Enjoy the message. Great to be this morning and welcome to you all, and especially those who are able to watch us online. Something's gone wrong with our, our Facebook broadcast uh, this morning. Um, looking at this new series of summer, summer baggage, um, as we prepared recently to go on, on our uh, holiday, uh, for weeks our second bedroom was just getting chock-a-block full of bags of stuff, clothes hanging so we'd have to iron them again and and uh, bags of food, and toilet rolls. I think it's been a long time since we went self-catering, but COVID has obviously brought us back to that. Um, and yet it was all, all good fun. But as we loaded up the car, and the, the boot was chock-a-block, and the back seat was chock-a-block, and neighbor said to us, how long are you going for? As the usual uh, statement. And yeah, we were jam-packed, I think, as they say. The only thing missing was the kitchen sink. Uh, I just couldn't unscrew that, otherwise I'd have taken that as well, probably. We were weighed down with the baggage we were taking, and I was glad to come back. The car was half empty coming back, because Marilyn had eaten all the food. <coughs> uh, no, obviously I had as well. And uh, uh, this new series we're looking at it this, this coming f- few weeks is titled Summer Baggage. We're going to look at some things that are like baggage to us, uh, we carry around within our lives. Our holiday cases were filled with all sorts of stuff. And often our lives are filled with stuff, aren't they? With emotions, with burdens about this, that, and the other. Uh, loads of stuff that weigh us down, oppress us down, and depress us, and all sorts of different things. And we carry this weight around with us. We walk around with our heads bowed, like wearing a rucksack. I remember when I used to do Duke Edinburgh Award, the rucksacks were, were different than this type. And you, it was so heavy, you took them off and you virtually fell over because the weight had gone. Uh, and, you know, they come like straight jackets, don't they? Yet God invites us to exchange these bags. If you can get them off, he takes them off easier than that. Whoa, sorry. Uh. A bit of escapology as well this morning. And he says, lay them down at the cross. Takes them off us and he exchanges them for the peace that he gives. And that's what he wants to do in our lives today. These things that weigh us down and bow our heads, restrict our relationship, restrict our relationship with each other. Our straight jack is keeping us from doing what God wants us to do. So he invites us, as I said, to exchange it for the peace that Jesus offers through the cross. Uh, He wants to unpack. He wants to loose those restraints. He wants to restore that brokenness and experience the freedom he offers you and me. We need to, as I said, to lay down our burdens at the cross and leave them there. That is the key to leave them there. You know, we, you may have seen uh, or read or seen pictures of the old story of um, Pilgrim's Progress where Christian comes to the cross and his backpack falls off and rolls down into the grave, the sepulchre, and he talks about his sin gone, gone, gone. Uh, and it's a bit like that sometimes. But so often, do you know what? We attach a, jump, a bungee jump to the burden and we go, Lay it down. Thank you, Lord. Wing! You take it back with us because you don't like letting it go, do we? Because we get comfortable with it. Yet it spoils our relationship with God and makes us not what we are. You know, Jesus died on the cross for us to set us free so we wouldn't have to be slaves again. 
So he wouldn't have to be slave to sin or anything. He wants to set us free, to walk in freedom of his kingdom under his rule. You will all have heard the, the saying, pride comes before a fall. Uh, if you weren't aware, it is actually from the Bible, like many um, quotes, many parables, Proverbs are. Uh, and it says in Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride leads to destruction, and arrogance to downfall. And the pride is something that can weigh us down without us even realizing. It's insidious. It gets into us, into our characters, into our, our attitudes, uh, and so often. You know, pride is the cause of one of the main causes of lots of church leaders' downfall. This is my ministry. It's my church. You can't say anything what I'm doing. I don't need accountability. I don't need anyone else. I'm self-sufficient. I'm strong. I will not fall in those cases, in those situations where devils and angels fear to go. I can go there because I won't fall. I'm strong. But it's obviously not exclusive to church leaders. Pride can raise his ugly head anywhere, at any time, in all sorts of situations and scenarios. You know, pride grows because we crave independence and self-sufficiency. You know, we, we are taught, aren't we? We are encouraged to be self-sufficient. Yet we are created by God as human beings to be dependent on Him in humility, to trust in Him, to rely on Him, to supply our needs, not to be self-sufficient, not to grow and think, I've got it all together. Also, in the in, in same book in Proverbs, but chapter 15, we read in verse 33, The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. You know, pride and arrogance imply self-confidence, which produces carelessness, resulting in a fall, literally means sliding, a slipping away from the pathway, the right pathway that God has set you on. The opposite to being wisdom and honor and humility. You know, pride equals arrogance, conceit, smugness, self-importance, egotism, vanity and superiority. No one likes somebody like that, especially a friend or a family relative or a church leader or whatever. If we're really honest, we wouldn't want to be like that if that was our choice. And, and also a choice of those around us, we wouldn't want them to be like that. Let's look together at uh, an encounter Jesus had in, in, in the Bible with a, a rich young ruler. We find this in Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 17 to 25. It's quite a well-known event in the, the journey of Jesus around uh, Israel. And as he was getting up and on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? You notice that Jesus very rarely answers a straightforward question. He always answers it with a question to get people to think. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. That's a funny one, a bare false witness. What does that actually mean? Uh, it means, obviously, looking at court cases where people come and give false witness. But it talks, it's also encompassed gossip and rumor spreading and so on. So you're bearing a false witness about somebody. 
Do not be defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. So he's a pretty good guy, isn't he? Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it would be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. No wonder they scratched their heads, because we all know a camel cannot go through an eye of a needle. It's impossible. But we know it's not everything's possible with God. But that's not really what they're saying. So this man runs up to Jesus, kneels before him, respecting him, addresses him as a good teacher. Um, he seems he honestly wants to learn, wants to know and how to have eternal life. When speaking to the rich man, Jesus explained that he needed to sell all he owned and give his earnings to the poor in order to be saved. Jesus is not saying that money or possessions are necessarily evil, necessarily evil, but this man had been a strict rule follower. We read that in verse 19 to 20, don't we? He says, I know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said, teacher, these I have kept from my youth. So he was, he was strict in his, his, his devotion to keeping God's law and God's word. Yet he was finding security and safety in his wealth. In his conversation with Jesus, he, uh, Jesus found out something that he, well, he found out something, I should say, he could not buy with money, and that was eternal life. And it left him in sorrow. I find these words in the Bible, such as sad words, probably the saddest words in the Bible, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowfully, for he had great possessions. How sad is that? His wealth was a priority to him, rather than following Jesus. The laying up a treasure in heaven didn't matter to him. He had it on earth. So many taste and see that the Lord is good and walk away. His wealth kept him from knowing Jesus. We don't know whether he changed his mind perhaps or he waited up the decision or he answered the questions. He thought about the cost of following Jesus and decided to pay it. But he went away sorrowfully. You know, Jesus' disciples turned uh, um, and uses what just happened as a, dis- a discipleship lesson. Disciples were amazed at his words we read, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. If that was the case, we'd all say, let's give up now. But that's not, thank God. What a strange statement though, isn't it? The disciples were amazed at it. And to be honest, I've never really heard anyone with a categoric answer to what Jesus really meant. There's many ideas, many thoughts on it, obviously, and ideas which can't be right. And there are a number of logical thoughts and commentaries you can read about it. One, one idea is that the camel wasn't a camel with a hump. 
It was a camel, it's a type of rope that could never, it's so stiff and, and, and that you'd have to unravel it to be able to thread it through anything. Uh, that is one idea. So it's not impossible, but hard work. The one I favor most, which I think most people use, which may be right and may be wrong, um, is, and it fits with the scenario we're looking at of getting rid of burdens and handing them off and taking them off, etc. The needle uh, Jesus was talking about was a small gate in the Jerusalem wall. Uh, and for a camel to get through it, you had to unload its load. You see the picture? So to get through the gate, you had to unload the load to get through. Uh, and that's the picture that many, many, many use. The Bible tells us it's a narrow gate that leads to eternal life, and not many that find it. So the other needle is, so it's not impossible, but hard work. They have to take all, unload all the packaging, and they would have to virtually crawl through the gate, the, the camel. The picture being, not, it's not impossible for a rich man to enter heaven. The riches or even bag, other baggages he carries may keep him from entering. But if he allows it, and is willing to be part, to be part from his, his burden, Nothing is impossible with God. Hallelujah. But I wonder the question for me and the question for you this morning, perhaps, is there anything at all in your life that is keeping you from following Jesus? Is anything that keeps you from surrendering to him? Fear of what others might say. That can be a burden. It can be a giant. What people think of me if I become religious? So many questions we could put into there. You know. You know, pride can come in different ways and often uh, is a hidden sin. Living becomes acceptable to carry around in, uh, with our luggage of life. You now, people refuse to let others know that they're not perfect, who hide their sin, who refuse to change even when challenged, refuse to admit that they're sinful and prioritize their reputation, often carrying pride in their luggage. If pride causes us to be puffed up, think we're more than we are, or arrogant, looking down on others, judging people, makes us boastful instead of giving God the glory. When we see what God is doing, we claim it for ourselves. It's more about me and what I'm achieving, full of self-importance. We don't let people see who we really are, and we're not honest with God, yet he sees it all. There's a book, uh, where it's called Growing Leaders. Uh, the guy who wrote it writes these, these words, I quote from him. I have decided to ditch working on my reputation and work on my reality. In other words, my integrity is key to how people see me. Transparency is vital. What I say and what I do must be the same. And, th- and that, even that doesn't make me perfect, though. But I'm not, on, I'm not a hypocrite. As I work on my character, my reputation takes care of itself because I'm not pretending to be someone I'm not and being who I really am. There's nothing to be proud of about me, nothing that I'm proud of, but I am who I am by the grace of God alone. In Psalm 147, the psalmist writes, Great is the Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. And yet the Lord lifts up the humble and casts the wicked to the ground. 
I personally, I don't know about you, would rather be humble before God and to be lifted up by him than to be cast down in pride. I'm not talking about I'm proud of my kids for their achievements. That's, nothing, that's a different type of thing altogether. We're talking about the sort of pride that caused Satan to be puffed up and wanted to be like God and was cast out of heaven. And pride becomes a burden and baggage that weighs us down. It affects our relationship with God. Keeps us from being used by him. Thinking we can do it all ourselves in our own strength. You know, if you ever watch any of the survival programs with Bear Grylls and all the rest of it, you see the, the, the equipment they carry is very light. They, they are trying to exchange their heavyweight stuff uh, and their rucksacks for low-weight items. Their goal is to be able to carry everything they need, whether it's uh, a tent, a, a rucksack, sorry, a tent, a sleeping bag, a cooking stove, some food, etc., etc., for the for duration of their, for their uh, hike. And it all has to come within 20-pound weight. How they do it, I have no idea, but they do it. And that's the idea. No, it's the same for us, you and me. We can carry around heavy stuff. Yet Jesus wants us to exchange our heavy burdens for his light burdens. He wants to enhance our walk with him, take off us from having to droop down with heaviness on our, upon our shoulders. Like the world is on our shoulders, as we often use the quote. He wants to release us from that, of what enslaves us and what giants attack us. In Matthew, we read in chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come unto me. He stood, in, he stood in the township and called this out. Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy burdened or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What an invitation for us all this morning to come to him if we're feeling burdened, wherever it might be. And I think over this last 18 months, haven't it, the burdens that people have carried have been highlighted, been honed because of the COVID rules and so on. Uh, Jesus says, come unto me, get rest for your souls. To, to go by that still, quiet waters, that green places, the open spaces, and be with us through the valleys. Perhaps it's not pride that's something you carry. We don't all carry it. But there could be something else, or other stuff in your life, but, no one, but not one we necessarily will cover in this series of summer baggage. It may even be unique to you. You know you've got something you struggle with and carry with affects you, which is not necessarily similar to everybody else. No, Jesus wants to relieve you of that today. Jesus wants to take that off you this morning. The question is, will you lay it down? It could just be a problem in your life. It's not necessarily a, a thing that's wrong, but it affects you. Or it could be something that affects you. It could be sin in your life. That needs confessing. That needs turning away from. Needing repentance. And this morning, I, in, in closing, I would just like to invite you, whether you're listening at home with those who are able to, or you're here this morning, as we close in, before we close in prayer, just to spend that moment to tell Jesus all about it. To allow him to break those chains. You know, broken chains can never be fixed together again. And to fill you with his peace. And you can walk out of here this morning in freedom 
and victory, looking up rather than looking down. So I would ask that you cast your burdens onto Jesus. We missed that this morning. We didn't have the kids' club song. I don't know what happened there. Um, and Mike's thingy. We were going to sing that old song, Cast Your Burdens Out of Jesus. It's a bit of a blast from the past, that for some of you, I know. But a great song, Cast Your Burdens Out of Jesus. Well, he cares for you. Lift Jesus higher. And so I will ask you that as we, as we bow our heads, just to cast those burdens onto Jesus, for he does care for you. Father, we thank you that your, what you give to us to carry is light compared to what we carry. Lord, the enemy would tell us that we need to carry this weight because it's our penance and all sorts of different crazy stuff. Yet, Lord, we thank you. You said, I've come to set you free. Lord, we want to walk in freedom. We want to walk in freedom of your spirit. We want to walk in the freedom Jesus gives. Lord, when the enemy comes and tells us we're wrong and we're failing and all the rest of it and we're a waste of space and we're not worthy, Lord, we can point him to Jesus who died on the cross and said, I've set them free. They are forgiven people. Help us to walk in that freedom, Lord, we pray today. So we can lift our heads high as the children of God. We ask this in your name, for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen.